Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Would you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Ron Lyles. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to CLC. One of the greatest places in all of Texas. Let's go a step further. One of the greatest places in all of the USA. Well, let's just go one step further. Greatest place in all the world is where God lives. Amen, amen, amen. What a distinct pleasure and delight it is to be back at CLC today and my relationship here runs over many years. Your pastor and I uh, have been friends for over four decades and we started out as young men together and now we're not old but we're making it kind of nervous. And Pastor Rex needed a little rest. This has been a tough year uh, for your lead pastor, uh, losing his mom, uh, all of these uh, life, unexpected elements of life itself. They take a toll on us, and none of us are immune. So delighted that uh, he and his family could be away some time ago when he was planning to be away on vacation he called me and said Ron would you please come and, and just spend the weekend with my people and since I've been here he has texted me and said now Ron you just pastor the people today and if there's anything that uh, comes natural with me uh, it is pastoring people and uh, that all comes from a heart of love amen Amen. There is such a spirit of excellence in this house. I give honor to the wonderful staff of CLC. Pastor Josh, Pastor Mitch, all of the team. They good night. Brandy and Char have made these guys everything they are. Pastor Rex and I can't take too much credit, but uh, the women they married have sure done a good job on them. Let's get into the Word of God today on this summer Sunday. I come with a word from the Lord for this church this day. Turning your Bibles with me to the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel chapter number 14. If you don't have your Bible, turn in your iPhone, your iPad, or if that doesn't work, just catch it on the screen. 
because uh, you need a fresh word from God today. This is what the Old Testament writer wrote, which has so much truth embedded in it in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 14, verse 14. For we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Hence the term don't cry over that which is spilt. We say don't cry over spilt milk. The Bible says that our life is as water spilt on the ground, which once it is spilt, it cannot be gathered up again, neither doth God respect any person. Yet doth God devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. On this Sunday morning, I want to talk with this audience that I love and respect for a few moments on the subject of God reach. I want to try by my humble ability to tell the story of the extent to which God will go to reach each one of his creation. And I don't know whether there's anyone in the house right now that just realizes that when I introduce a subject like this, that God reached a long way to find you on your journey. But I just stopped by Austin today to tell you that God is in the house and he's in the reaching business today. And wherever you are, and as Pastor Mitch said, it really doesn't matter what your past has been because God really majors in your future. And if God can locate you today, and if God can reach you today, I will tell you that things will be different in your tomorrow. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and say, I'm going to help the man preach. I'm going to help the man preach. You may be seated. God bless you. I have come to a conclusion this morning before gracing this pulpit that I have just a few times in my life uh, spoken about. There's been a time or two that I have mentioned it along the way and I do not want to be judged Pharisaically, as I stand before this audience this morning when I confess what I am about to say. It does not make me uh, any better than anyone else. It does not elevate me to a, a, a certain place in life or in living. But uh, I have always had, since the earliest remembrances in my personal life, a desire to please 
God. I can remember when I was a very little boy, uh, people would ask me, Ron, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I always answered something like this, I'm going to be a preacher. To which they would always counter by saying, and what if God does not call you? And my response was always the same, well, I'll just volunteer then. I'll just volunteer. And yet with that statement that I have always had a desire in my heart of hearts to please God, I must be transparent and honest with you by telling you that I have not always been successful in doing just that. The Bible says that we are all born into sin and likewise we are shaped in iniquity. All of us are creatures of being born into a fallen world and a society that takes us on a journey that is not necessarily toward God but does everything to pull us away from God. Don't judge me when I confess publicly today in this pulpit that although I have had a lifelong desire to please God, I have been guilty of failing God. I have been guilty of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and uh, the good thing about it is God has forgiven me all, of all of that. So therefore, your judgment really doesn't matter. Somebody say hallelujah. Because you can identify because you've been there likewise. But our text this morning tells the story of life in its reality. It simply states that all of us have a rendezvous with destiny. And that destiny is nothing more than the finality of death. The Bible is very clear when it tells us that our lives is, is something that is likened unto spilt water upon the ground. And once water is spilt... You cannot gather it up again. Have you ever stopped to try to gather up a spilt liquid with the consistency of water? I don't care how you try to get it back in the bottle. You might not want to drink from the bottle after you attempt to gather it again. Once it is spilt, it takes on all of the attributes and all of, of, of the mixture of the things that it is spilt in and on. And yet God in this verse of scripture is so resolute in his salvation message for his fallen creation that the Bible says that although God makes no 
absolute uh, uh, respect toward his creation, he does say that God will go to great means to devise a way that every man, woman, boy, and girl might come to a place of salvation. I uh, have a particular uh, man in mind as I stand in the pulpit this morning. Uh, He's in church in Fort Worth at Calvary today. Let me tell you a little of his story. We've all heard these stories, but see if you can identify with this. At 28 years of age, this particular man was uh, spiraling out of control. He was a young husband and young father of of two uh, handsome boys, and yet at 28, his life had spiraled out of control, and he had become a a functioning alcoholic. He uh, had his job, but his life was just going nowhere. And uh, he did not know what the future held. It was just struggle from paycheck to paycheck. And so much of his life was already being played out in front of him because of his personal addiction to alcohol. And yet in that, that fallen state, he stumbled upon a, a, a little house. And this little house was not just any little house. But it was a house that sat right behind a church house. And you say, well, Ron, that, that could happen to anybody. That's just, that's just coincidence. Can I just go on record as telling this audience today that there are no coincidences with the God that I'm preaching about today? Because my Bible says that God would go to great lengths to devise a means whereby he can reach anyone. And so Jerry uh, uh, needed a place for his family to live, and so he worked a deal out with the pastor of this church that he and his wife would clean the church. They would be a, uh, they would be the janitors of the church, if you please, and they would do the cleaning work in return for their their monthly rent on this little house. And yet he wanted to have nothing to do with God or the church. All he became was just the caretaker of the house of God. Be careful what you volunteer for. Be careful what you get involved with in your life in which you don't even understand where God's taking you. But when, 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 when Jerry volunteered to do this and worked out the deal with the pastor, little did he realize that that his life was going to be intersecting with the God reach. Uh, He would find himself in his easy chair in that little house and the pastor would stop by and and Jerry would have to hide his, 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 his cans under his chair and visit with the pastor and the pastor never said a word. He just loved on him. The next thing you know, the pastor said, I wonder if you and your your wife would like uh, a Bible study. And he didn't want to make him bad, and he didn't want to he didn't want to offend the pastor. He said, "I guess so." 
And so the pastor and his wife would come over and the pastor's wife would teach the Bible study to the mother and father and the pastor would babysit the two little boys. He didn't realize what was happening in his world and in his life. And some of you are saying, oh, that's just, that's just evangelism and that's just outreach and that's just a plan. I simply have come to tell you today that that's God reach. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. While we did not have any intention of ever falling in love with him, Christ devised a means and a way that would blow the average person away. The next thing you know, that man and his wife have come to the Lord and their life has gloriously changed. The next thing you know, he and his wife are the youth leaders in that church for many years. The next thing you know is that he's not working for someone else, but he started his own business. The next thing you know, he has moved from the state of Arkansas to Fort Worth, Texas, and he doesn't even know why he's there. The next thing you know, he has his own business for the last 25 or 30 years. His sons are in business with him today. He is on my board of directors at Calvary Church, and his boys teach in our, our children's ministry and lead the music and the worship at my church. You say, Pastor Ron, that is just happenstance. I'd rather tell you that that is the intersection of God devising a means whereby a man can be saved. I've often said that most of us, when we get saved, we just leave all of our unsaved friends. I think Pastor Rex would tell you this because we've talked about it many times between the two of us. We believe that every one of us need at least two friends. We need one saved friend and we need one sinner friend. Come on now. I'm about to preach. Hallelujah to God. I'm feeling a CLC meltdown right here. Could I just tell someone this morning that it's more than just coming to church and eating grilled cheese sandwiches and drinking Dr. Pepper with saved? I didn't come here today to just eat a crescent roll between services. But I came to tell somebody that you're not here by accident. Whatever you need is, God has your name on your miracle. You say, but Pastor Ron, you don't know what kind of week I had. Yeah, but my God knows what kind of week you had. And right in the middle of the summer of 2013, God has gone to great means to devise a way to intersect your life with some people on Westgate Boulevard in Austin, Texas 
that once you meet them, you're never going to get over the glory and the joy and the power and the freedom and the liberty that God has introduced to their world. That's the reason that I simply say that I believe that we should not be afraid to be witnesses because God has built this church and it will stand at the gates of hell and the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. I just want to tell you today that God is in this house. Now let me address this as I move quickly. We live in an arid nation. As America facilely moves, and all of us that are tuned in know that our nation is fastly moving toward a, a godless society and a secular mindset. It's dry, it's arid. Sometimes I find myself praying, even so come Lord Jesus. I find myself saying, Lord, how much longer will you wait? Some of us in this audience this morning have found ourselves struggling with things that we never thought would be a part of our lives when we first started out. There are those that have walked through times in which you have experienced the pain of a lost marriage and the pain of a divorce that maybe you did not want or ask for. You beat yourself up saying, I don't know what the future holds. Why, God, did my life not take the direction that, that I thought that it would when I started out? There are those that, that I am preaching to in this dry, arid, spiritual climate that have found themselves wrapped up in the web of extramarital affairs and now you carry a millstone of guilt around your neck and you think, oh, I am bound inexorably to my past. But could I tell you the good news that I preach today is that no matter what your past has been like, God is working on your behalf. He will devise a means where your past will not dictate your future. Where your tomorrow will not be based on the failures of your yesterday. I looked in the word of God and this is what I found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. There are those of us under the sound of my voice that really like for God to just spell it out and give us a list. Let us know exactly who's going to make it to heaven and who's not. And this is what the Apostle Paul listed. If you need a list, this is what he said in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 9, Know ye not, he said that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And you know what? There's a lot of people that just stop there. But God doesn't stop there. You got to go one more verse with me today. Because this is God at work. Verse 11. And such were some of you. Everybody tap tap yourself and say, I could have fallen into that category. Such were some of you, but you are washed. But you are sanctified. And you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Is there anybody in the house today that are glad for God's salvation grace? That when you were guilty, when you didn't have a future, God devised a means and God reached way down to change it all just for you. can almost hear somebody say, yes, but pastor, what if it's never been done before? There's no precedent for my situation. The good news is that God doesn't need a precedent because God will create a way. Dale Wainwright, my good friend, is here today. I love him so much. Think about him often, pray for him. He spent a a big portion of the last few years of his life having to rule on things as a Supreme Court justice based on precedent. What does the law say? What has been ruled on in the past? Is there any legal standing to actually deal with your situation based on the law and the interpretation of the law and the ruling of the past? That's that's what so many have to look at and that's what they're bound by is the precedent of the law and the past. But not with God. God's people find themselves in a place in which Their lives are simply the journey of a circle. Has anybody ever felt like your life was just going in circles? I'm just walking in a circle, not making any progress. Nothing's happening in my world. And you know what? If you walk in circle as long as God's children did in the desert, you can get thirsty. 
And so they began to murmur and complain. And they said, Moses, have you brought us into this arid place, this dry place, to simply die of thirst? At least in Egypt, we had water. Now, our breath didn't smell too good because it was infatuated with garlic and leeks. But at least our thirst was quenched. And so God spoke to Moses and said, you see that rock over there? Why don't you speak to that rock? And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to cause water to come out of the rock. And Moses was so upset and disgusted that even in his disgust, he did not follow the instructions of the Lord fully. And instead of speaking to the rock, he just took his anger out. And the Bible says he smoked the rock. I'm so glad that sometimes even in our disgust and our anger, when we're fed up to hear, we're about to allow ourselves to be out of control, that God will look past our anger and our frustration when we've just about gone as far as we can go and we don't have any precedent to actually act upon God said, speak to the rock. Moses smote the rock. And the Bible says, out of the rock flowed water. Can you imagine enough water flowing from a rock in a weary land for three and a half million people to drink of? The Bible comes along and then says that that was a real happening in the old covenant. But in the new covenant, there is a rock that is in the middle of this arid and dry land that we find ourselves. And his name is Jesus. He is that rock. He is that rock. They were hungry. And Moses went to God again. No precedent. God said, have all of the Israelites just check the ground in the morning outside of their tents. And when they looked outside their tents the next morning, all of the ground was a substance they had never seen. They were so confused, all they could say, what is this? We don't know what to call it. So we'll just say, what is it? It's manna. It's angel food. It's food from another world. There's somebody in the house this morning that the world didn't give this to you. The world doesn't understand where it came from. Hallelujah. But you woke up this morning and you said, good morning, Lord. Instead of good Lord, it's morning. Ah. Oh, you made your way to church today and there's manna in the house. You're filling up a basket full of manna. You don't understand. You don't understand where it came from. 
All you know is that you are hungry, you are thirsty, and God devised the means. God devised the way. God reached to where you were. And it was there that he provided food. Joshua, involved in a battle with his proverbial enemies, he said, God, avenge me of my enemies, but I need some more time, God. I can't get the job done before the sun sets. God, is there any, is there any way? Is there any help available? Is there anything you could do, God, to just give me a little more time? And the writer says that the sun stood still for the period of about a day. Now, folks, can you imagine how many people in the world that messed up? Everybody's looking at their sundial. Everybody's looking at the sun, and the sun should have already gone down. But the sun is just remaining where the sun is supposed to remain. Well, we've never seen it like this. This has never happened before. In fact, later times even indicates and teaches us that the writer didn't even understand all there was to know about physics because, ladies and gentlemen, the sun doesn't move around the earth. The earth moves around the sun. You say, Pastor Ron, what do you get out of this? You don't even have to get all the facts right. You don't have to get your theology all right. You can be wrong about some of the details. Ha, I thought the sun was moving around the earth. So I'll just write it. The sun stood still. That's all the understanding I've got. Really, God doesn't require you to understand everything, to understand that he's reaching for you today. If there's somebody in the house that could just simply say, I don't understand it all, but I feel something on the inside of me drawing me. I feel something in the summer of 2013 that says, God's reaching for my life. Hallelujah to God. Let me tell you what happened to Sherry and me just the last couple of weeks. Beautiful family has just come to our church in the last few months. Beautiful family. A gentleman works for IBM and, and uh, beautiful wife and two boys. And uh, so hungry for all that God's got for them. This particular lady was raised at St. Andrew's Catholic Church in downtown Fort Worth. Very devout, wonderful lady. Two weeks ago, she went to a funeral back at St. Andrew's. Her best friend's husband had passed away, and while she was there, she made an appointment to go in and talk with 
a young 35-year-old priest. And uh, she was so hungry for the Holy Spirit to just flood her life in abundance. And we'd been teaching her, and, and I'd just been pouring into her, Sylvia, it's going to come in an unusual way. You can be driving down the road. You can be at church. You can be at home. But God is devising a means. God's devising a means. She's kind of shy about public public persona. And so in private, she went in and met with this young priest. And her words were right out of her mouth, Do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? And the young priest said, Well, Sylvia, I sure do. And she did a double take. And he said, she said, have you ever read in the Bible about the Holy Spirit coming on anybody and, and them speaking with another language? And he said, yes, I have. I've read it in the Word of God. And, and after my duties here, I sneak off and I visit an apostolic church. My God, you talk about God designing the means. He said, could I pray for you right now? And in the stillness of that environment, this young 35-year-old priest lays his hand on Sylvia. And the Holy Spirit comes on her. And both of them start magnifying God and glorifying God. And she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And she's so ecstatic, she said to him, said, does that mean that I've got to come back here? I love my new church. I love my new pastor. He said, not at all. He said, you stay right where God's got you. Because God had to take you there for you to begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know where she is today? She's on the pew of Calvary Church in Fort Worth, magnifying and glorifying God over that newfound relationship with God. Could I just stop by and tell you that God is no respecter of persons, that wherever he can find hunger, wherever he can find desire today, God will go to great means to reach every individual. And so let me hasten to wrap this up. Peter is in a boat. He sees a figure on the water. And he calls out, If that is you, Lord, bid me. I don't know how this is all going to work. <coughs> I don't have any spiritual floaties. I don't even have a plan B, Pastor Mitch. It's just a figure walking toward me. 
and my life sailing on a rough sea toward a figure that I don't, I can't see fully. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And you know what Jesus said to Simon Peter in response to his request? All Jesus said was, come. 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 Why don't we just cut through all of the red tape today? Why don't we just cut through all of our past? Why don't we put that behind us? We can't do anything about that anyway. But God can. All he's wanting is for you to take a forward step. Why don't you just step out when Jesus says come? You know what happened? Walking on the waves. Simon Peter intersected the life of the miracle worker. What are you in need of today? Are you going to stay within the confines of the boat? Are you going to be holding on for dear life saying, I'm going to figure this out, God? Are you just going to humble yourself and say, Lord, if that's you, if that's you today in church, bid me come. And Jesus is going to say, come. God reach. God reach. God reach. Jesus finds himself on a cross. Lifted up from the earth between two thieves. All one can think of was if you are really who you say you are, why don't you just speak the word and get us down off of these crosses? If you're really who you claim to be, just simply say the word and we're free. And the other one on the other side, all he can think to say of, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, could I tell you that where these two, where these three men were, they were between dispensations. The old covenant had now ended. The new covenant had not yet begun. I challenge anyone to find where God does not have the power to step into the vacuum between plans, dispensations, covenants, ways of doing things, and Jesus, a dying Savior, between two dying men, turns to the one that just said, remember me, and said, this day. Everybody say, this day. 
thou shalt be with me in paradise. Not some future day. Not some hopeful day. But this day, our lives intersected. And God devised a means. Let me close with this real life story from my world. The year was 1932. My father was 17 years of age. He was a child that had lived through the roaring 20s and now into the heart of the depression. His life had changed drastically through his teenage years as he had become a individual that was bound by a disease. Osteoarthritis had taken my father's health and now his, his knees were swollen as large as, as cantaloupes. His elbows were swollen as large as softballs. He was a victim of this disease and he was wheelchair bound. He had moved into the little town of Mean, Arkansas to try to finish his last year of high school and he and two other classmates had rented a little apartment. They pushed him to school every day and his osteoarthritis was so bad that he could no longer comb his own hair and he could no longer hold a spoon or a fork in his hand. Somebody had to feed him. But somebody told him about a little church that believed in the power of prayer. So one night, he asked his two high school buddies if they would roll his wheelchair, push him down to that little church. I'm about to get emotional because I just stood at my dad's grave just two weeks ago. And I relived all of this and my mind they pushed him into that little church that night and at the end of the service the invitation was given and the call went out is there anyone here that would like prayer and in an instant that 17 year old boy turned to his buddies and said would you please push me down front to which they pushed my father down front he knew nothing about God's healing power. He knew nothing about God's saving power. He had been raised on a farm. Hard work was all he knew and abuse from an abusive father. But now God was about to intersect his life. One that was so far removed from possibility of a future. 
yet according to James chapter number 5, they laid hands on my father that night and God instantly healed my dad. Instantly, in the name of Jesus, the arthritis began to flee his body. He came out of that wheelchair. You say, oh, Pastor Ron, you're just telling evangelistic stories. I'm just telling you the story of my family. I'm just telling you how I can stand here today, all these years later, and speak truth to you. Because this happened in my family. That night, God healed my father as a 17-year-old boy that knew nothing. God filled him with the power of the Holy Spirit that night. He didn't know what to do, so he just ran out the double doors in the back of that church. And he ran down the main street of town and ran back to his apartment. And did you know that when I buried him at almost 92 years of age, he was never in a wheelchair again. You say, Pastor Ron, explain that to me. God devised the means. You know what God did? He broke the curse of abuse when he saved my dad. My brother and I grew up in a home that was godly. Grew up in a home that emphasized putting God first, getting an education, serving God with everything that we have. Hence, we never knew abuse. We raised our children, the third generation, and they grew up and now they're saved and serving God. And now we're on the fourth generation. My grandchildren, now are serving God and living for God today. You say, how can that happen, preacher? Simply when God devises a means and reaches for your life. He changes everything. Would you stand? And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.